Hi everyone, it is now 5 p.m. on this Wednesday evening in Kingston, and you're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM, www.cfrc.ca. Welcome to this week's segment of Today in YGK with me, your host, Alexandra Fernandez. Today in YGK brings you need-to-know news about what's going on right here in our beautiful city of Kingston. From current news, special segments, and interviews with some amazing guests, I'm sure you'll find something of interest that gets you to tune in. If you have any news to share, be sure to contact me via email at news at cfrc.ca. So without further ado, let's get right into it. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. You're tuned into CFRC 101.9 FM. I'm your host, Alexandra Fernandez. Today in our virtual studio, I have with me Dr. Dean Burry, a music professor at Queen's University and the artistic director of the Watershed Festival, a festival first of its kind that celebrates and explores all things musical theater. I am so excited to have Dean on our show today, especially as I am one of his previous students from Queen's. Um, So it's lovely to speak speak with you. Um, how have you been? I guess over the last year I've taken classes with you. Yeah, great to see you again, Lex, as well. It's, uh, I mean, it's it's been a weird year. I mean, it's been a strange year, obviously. And, you know, we've all had to to pivot to other things. I've, I've obviously been teaching, re- you know, remote the whole year. But the funny thing about it is that now I had you in some of my composition classes. And mm-hmm. Composition, strangely, is one of the things which works really well in isolation and in lockdown, because what you need as a composer is time by yourself in front of your piano or your ukulele or your guitar or whatever you uh, whatever you write on. So um, even though it's hard to get your works performed now, uh, the time for writing has been, and again, me being a composer as well, has been a, bit, a little bit of a gift. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, so before we jump into it, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe your time at Queen's, what you studied as well, and just like your experience? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I can't believe I'm, I'm coming up to my third third year anniversary of, uh, of uh, being at Queen's in the fall. Um, I uh, was originally born in Newfoundland uh, and still, even though you might not hear too much of the accent, although some words might come out. Uh, a big part of my heart is still in Newfoundland for sure. Uh, but um, I, you know, when I when I graduated from high school, for me, it was, am I going to become a, I was very involved in theater as well. So mm-hmm. the question was, am I going to go to theater school and become an actor and a playwright? Or am I going to go to music school and become, uh, you know, a musician? Um, and I had been composing for a lot at that time. Well, I, I, I decided to go uh, and do a music degree. I went to Mount Allison University in New Brunswick to do my bachelor in music um, as a saxophone major, but realized there was a way for me to be both in the theater and music world at the same time. And that was by writing musicals or eventually writing opera as well. So I kind of fell more into the composition field um, went to uh, University of Toronto uh, to do my master's degree after I finished my bachelor's degree. And I figured, well, as, a, as an opera composer in Canada, probably Toronto was the best place for me to be. So I stayed there and ended up working a lot for the Canadian Opera Company and the Canadian Children's Opera Company for about 24 years in Toronto. Um, but uh, my wife, uh, originally from Kingston, uh, is uh, about, uh, I guess, about seven years ago now, became the principal second violinist at the Kingston Symphony. So she was coming back and forth uh, every couple of weeks um, for uh, for symphony concerts. And, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of started thinking, it was one of those moments, actually. It was like my father died about four years ago, and it was one of those real reflection moments. I wasn't sad, specifically. I mean, other than, you know, of course, yeah, I was sad, but I wasn't, he had lived a good life. I wasn't, I wasn't upset. But it was kind of one of those moments that really makes you reflect 
reflect about where you want to be and where you are. And I think the Newfoundlander in me also always wanted something a little simpler, a little bit more connected to nature. So the idea of why not why not move to, to Kingston? You know, as a composer, I could compose wherever I was. Um, I was just coincidentally finishing my doctorate at U of T at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we picked up. I mean, it was also one of these situations where our tiny little house in Toronto was worth so much more yeah. <laughs> 14 years later than when we bought it. Uh, and so, you know, for so many reasons, it seemed like the right choice. My my in-laws, Julia's parents live here as well. So the grandparents are here for our kids and everything. So the, the move to Kingston seemed like a really nice choice, but I, I wasn't, I didn't have a job at Queens when I moved here, okay. um, but arrived and then fell into this situation where of course the drama and the music schools had combined. They had gotten the huge donation from Aubrey Dan and become the Dan School of Drama mm-hmm. and Music. Uh, and we're looking at to develop a, a, you know, a, a music theater festival that focused on musicals and opera and you know, music theater in general. And I mm-hmm. was like, well, I just got my doctorate and I'm music theater guy, you know, like, I mean, this is what, you know, I was just telling someone the other day, like, I have musicians coming and asking me, oh, do you have pieces for piano? Do you have, I, I've hardly written, you know, I've written very little chamber music, but my opera and musical theater resume is stacked. So it, it, it was just a logical um, beautiful coincidence kind of that I was able to get that job at Queens. And it's been like the three, you know, three best years of my life, I think. Oh, that's so good to hear. <laughs> And it's amazing that that all worked out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the other thing as well, too, I mean, since we're talking about Kingston and Queens, is that, my goodness, there's a lot of artistic talent and energy here in this little city, you know, which is not that big a place. And I and I tell all, you know, all my friends from everywhere else, it's like, you need to come to Kingston. My goodness, there's so there's so much going on, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah, there's such a vibrant art scene here. And there's so many festivals, so many ways to like support local artists and just find new up and coming artists in any like division of the arts yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. um so you were telling us about this um opera and musical theater festival and that is the watershed festival um which is running for the first time so can you tell us more about it and where the inspiration came to start a festival like this I think, like, and again, I, there had been there had been rumblings for a festival like this before I even came. I know, mm, like, when, right, you just when when the dance school was started, um, uh, the, the idea again, like, when you're combining music and drama, like that, there there was an idea, and obviously Aubrey Dan as well too, who who had, um, had do- so generously donated so much money to the school, is a music theater a musical theater guy, right? Like mm-hmm. he's a he's an impresario from Toronto, shows like Jersey Boys, and he was very involved in the Drowsy Chaperone, that show being created as well. So there was an impetus as well too to kind of make uh, uh, you know continue doing the good general music work that Queens was doing, but also to um, create a little bit of a focus in the music theater world. And I think um, Dr. Craig Walker, who is the director of the dance school, um, at that point, uh, you know, in consultation with other people had a, had a good uh, good plan in, in saying, well, this doesn't just need to be opera because it's a university or just need to be Broadway style musical theater or something like that we can do something much more broadly. And listen, we're in a world right now, which is trying to look more open and trying to be more open and inclusive and diverse, right? So, um, and I think Queens has often been at the forefront of that, you know? Queens, Mm -hmm. it's funny because it's a real, it's a real, it's the establishment 
Like it's a real, it's got a great history and it's the limestone buildings and you think, but at the same time, what's going on in those limestone buildings I find are, is very progressive. Mm-hmm. You know? And a, there's a lot of desire to kind of embrace diversity and, and, and you know, do more things in those fields as well. Um, so Craig Walker at that time kind of put a mandate forward that it was exploring music theater in all of its forms, right? Okay. So that again, like the tagline that I've been using for this festival has been opera, musical theater, everything in between and everything beyond, right? So when we sat down to try to come up with a festival and, and also like Kingston is Kingston is festival center. Like there's a lot of great yeah. festivals that happen in this in this city, right? So mm, totally. real pre- precedent. So half the problem was finding a place for us to slot in when there wasn't another <laughs> festival going on. Yeah. Right? Um, but uh, but so yeah when I you know when I started um, my position, it was very much part of my contract to, to shepherd this new music theater festival okay. and, and make it into something, right? Um, and I had done a few things. I was the artistic director for the Canadian Children's Opera Company in Toronto for a number of years as well. And we did the Toronto Festival of Children's Opera. So mm-hmm. I've had a little bit of experience kind of working in the festival medium as well. Um, and uh, like, honestly, one of the first seeds of the festival was the was that idea that I mentioned that like, I'd love to get the people from the opera world world in the same room with the people from the musical theater world because frankly as as someone who's had my my toe in both fields mm-hmm. there isn't always kind of like positive sense between the two of them there there you know there are there are stereotypes that exist very much mm-hmm. oh you know the you know the opera world is it's so old fashioned it's in languages you can't understand it's storytelling from 200 years ago it's you know that kind of thing or the opera world saying oh well musical theater is so formulaic and it you know it's the, the can music like there are stereotypes that that exist on both sides right mm-hmm. um and so again someone who has great friends and great admiration for both sides there was a desire for me to put those families into mm-hmm. the same room and and for them to kind of get to know each other and just to realize i think how much in common they have right mm-hmm. so that was that was an initial uh, uh spark for me but i have to say what evolved even more is underlying all those things is yes i've talked about opera and musical theater and those are two big established institutions in a sense right meaning there are opera companies there is an opera field there is guilds and that kind of thing right mm-hmm. but the but the reality is 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 both of those fields have a tremendous amount of baggage as well you know when we talk about privilege or european eurocentric backgrounds or right. excluding voices as well right mm-hmm. um and so um this past summer uh, you know a year ago when black lives matter happened and the and the, and like the issues always been of indigenous issues have always been really big in canada as well mm-hmm, for sure. it, it became you know when i was thinking more about the idea of you know when the festival became the watershed festival of course a watershed moment is is a, a pivotal moment where where things split you know and mm-hmm. things change and it's it's supposed to be a monumental change right so in again in thinking about black lives matter and and in in indigenous issues last summer i thought it is a watershed moment right we're in this pandemic right now mm-hmm. and unlike any time in the past we're able to reflect on the world that was and the world that we want right mm-hmm. and that applies to the world of music theater as well so i think in that sense watershed became something even more important because it really and that's when i come back to it's opera it's opera and musical theater which are two existing long established music theater um establishments but it's 
it's everything else that could be. It's indigenous music theater. It's um, it's black music theater. It's music music theater we don't even necessarily know about yet, right? Mm -hmm. But it really is kind of finding a way to bring all those voices in because art, you know, again, it's a cliche to say, but you know, art is supposed to reflect life, and it if it doesn't reflect all the voices and faces that are part of real life, it's not doing its job. Great, great way to put it. Yeah, and I I really like the concept behind that, and yeah, like bringing all these different. Um, forms and like kind of just different sec sectors almost of musical theater and opera things that we're not necessarily used to because they're just maybe just not mainstream yeah um so watershed is running may 25th to may 28th this year um and can you highlight some events or some workshops for us that you think that people should really um check out and register for there are, yeah, and I would say that like, so www.watershedmusictheater.com is the website and you can register off the website. It's completely free this year. Everything is available. And if you register, awesome. you're kind of signed up for everything. You can pop in and pop off uh, however however you like. Oh, amazing. Um, yeah, there's really three main streams um, to the to the festival. There's the, um, the explorer stream. There's the create stream and there's the inspire stream. I suppose streams is kind of, maybe it's a bad pun, but it's kind of of watershed <laughs> as well. Um, I just got but, that, yeah. <laughs> but the, uh, so the, the, um, the create aspect of it is kind of the performances as much as we can have. We're in a right. pandemic, it's gonna be fully remote. Mm -hmm. But uh, in the evenings, we are kind of offering more kind of performance-based um, events. So on the, um, uh, on the very first night of the festival, which uh, we're actually having a book launch. I'll talk about the book launch a little bit later. Uh, yeah. But on the so on the Wednesday night of the festival, that's May 26th, um, we have a group from Montreal called Music Trois Femmes. And this is a, a group um, that basically uh, we're able to come up with a large amount of funding to commission Canadian women composers and librettists to write new operas. So um, again, you know, seeking to kind of um, uh, bring in a voice which is uh, not that well represented in the past. It's getting so much better. And I think when I we were mm -hmm. teaching composition classes with you, I talked a lot about when you think of the mo the composers from the, the common practice period, how many women composers can you name? Yeah. You, know, you think of Mozart and Bach and Beethoven kind of thing. You know, it has changed a lot better and there are incredible women composers out there, but like always, there's still more work to do, right? Mm -hmm. So um, these are three uh, people, two performers, two singers and a, and a piano player who have commissioned these uh, new operas. So we're gonna be getting kind of the world premiere of their latest three, um, Opera commissions awesome. on, uh, on the on the Wednesday on the the Wednesday night of the festival. That's music trois femme. On the Thursday night, we have a new work showcase, which was like once again, like we're we're able to do a certain amount at Queens, but it's not a huge school. One of the most important things that we do as well is shine a light on everybody that's doing the great work that everybody's doing, not just in the country, but internationally as well. Mm -hmm. So we had a call for proposals for people to create 10 to 15 minute videos of works that they're working on. And I said to them, I said, this is a new work showcase. They can, doesn't have to be in costume. It can be with music stands. We want to see that exciting first tantalizing taste of, of what your new work is. So mm -hmm. we have three uh, new, uh, new works that are in progress that we're going to be showing uh, on, um, 
on the Thursday night at the New Works Showcase. There's a piece called Ursa, which is a musical about a, a woman and a bear. Uh, and we'll hear more about that uh, from a group in Toronto. Um, Loose Team Music Theatre and a composer named Afarin Mansouri uh, has a work called Zudakaya, which is in Farsi, an, uh, an opera that's fully in Farsi. Awesome. Um, and Kevin Skelton, who is a a uh, Canadian dancer, but lives in Italy right now, has created a work called Pulse, which is a, a, a more of a dance-based music theater uh, piece as well that he filmed, oh my goodness, he filmed in the countryside of Dabruzza wow. um, Regia in Italy, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, also on the New Work Showcase, uh, Calgary Opera is working on this large indigenous-led project called Namweyut. That's going to be something that they're developing over the next couple of years. And there's a they have a short documentary uh, call, uh, called Seeds of Namweyot that we're going to be screening on uh, the Thursday night as well. And all of those artists are going to be joining us for a live question and answer period afterwards. So if you're part of the audience, you can you can be a part of that and engage specifically. Uh, on the Thursday night, or on the Friday night, sorry, the last night of the festival, we are going to be showing selections from the Lancashire Lass, which is, I mentioned, like one of our jobs is to shine a light on what everybody else is doing, but I feel like we need to put our money where our mouth is as well. So we have commissioned Leslie Arden, who's really one of Canada's top musical theatre composers and, and lyricists, to create a piece called the Lancashire Lass, which is about the British suffragette movement in the 1920s. Um, one of the things that I said when we first kind of started this was, you know, anytime you're in a, an educational circumstance, like a university or high school, there's usually a lot more women involved in the program than there are men. So we wanted a piece which really had a lot of fantastic female roles. Mm -hmm. And so it was a perfect subject matter that Leslie picked. Now, this was the, you know, one of the pieces that was supposed to premiere at the live version of, of the Watershed Festival that we intended to do mm -hmm. this year before COVID came along. But uh, instead, we are, uh, gives us another chance to kind of keep workshopping it. And so we're going to be presenting some really well-produced um, selections from Lancashire Lass on the Friday night. Throughout the, the, the day of the festival, there are uh, various lectures and symposia. Um, there's a panel, uh, which once again is very much bringing the musical theater and the opera people into the same room. And mm -hmm. we're gonna, we're gonna kind of like poke away at those stereotypes <laughs> and see what we have in common and what we have separate, you know, maybe there'll be some sparks, who knows. Um, there is a there is a panel on decolonizing uh, music theater, which again, with uh, four indigenous artists who will very much dig into, again, what's been done and what needs to be done in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there are some also wonderful conversations. Dr. Colleen Renahan, who is uh, the symposium director is going to be having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Dr. Dylan Robinson, another Queens prof, who uh, wrote a book called Hungry Listening, which I've got right here as well, uh, which is very much about um, examining and listening to Western music from an Indigenous perspective, but also um, really examining the ways in which indigeneity intersects with Western music as well. Um, okay for good or for bad. And it really is, it really is the, it's the textbook on this subject matter right now, you know, and we're really lucky to have, um, to have Dylan at Queens to be doing this great work because I've been going on, you know, these conferences all across, uh, you know, the country and, you know, Dylan's name keeps, keeps popping up. So mm -hmm. we're pretty th thrilled to have him involved as well. Um, and a, a number of other smaller things as well. The, the last thing that I mentioned was the Inspire stream and that is kind of our outreach stream. Um, we did a few uh, a few workshops about a week and a half ago for Queen's students mm -hmm. um, with Music Trois Femmes and Corey Elliston, who's an amazing, amazing dramaturge from uh, from the United States. 
we have a TikTok challenge right now that I would encourage anyone, if they're on TikTok, you can go on and write your own lyrics and sing along a duet with Leslie Arden. Um, and I will say that I'm up there as well. So uh, please feel free to kind of go in the, and check that out. My 12 and 15 year old daughter think I'm pretty cool for being on TikTok, <laughs> which is a feat. Um, and uh, also uh, this week coming up uh, on uh, uh, tomorrow which is wednesday no no wednesday the 19th mm -hmm. um leslie arden is going to be offering a uh composition songwriting workshop for kingston area high school students uh and again through this is in partnership with the city of kingston and the grand theater um and so even though we can't be at the grand theater doing the festival this year we still wanted to um we still wanted to maintain that connection so uh you know we've got uh, a little bit of that that outreach happening as well and i'm hoping that that's something again when we're able to do the festival in person um the outreach component is going to be ramped up even more mm -hmm. yeah for sure but that sounds like some really amazing programming and super exciting i'm definitely going to check that out myself because um and especially that decolonization symposium that you mentioned um is so relevant i think and just must be like a really interesting conversation to hear and jump into for sure um, and, you know, you were saying that um, originally the plan with Watershed was obviously not to have it virtual, but to have it in person. And I guess my question for you is what has the process kind of been like, you know, having to um, do it virtually um, and not in the way you expected? I guess the good thing is that it is the first time it's running. Um, so that is kind of like a silver lining almost um, because it's not like a total change of plans and you kind of have this fresh um palette i guess to start off with or this clean slate um but yeah what has that process been like having to work around there's a, i mean there's a number of silver linings and i think that is the whole the whole way to get through this pandemic is to try to find the silver linings right um and so back in you know back last summer there was the question of how are we going to do this are we going to put it off for a year or are we going to try to make it happen mm -hmm. um and I think what really has worked well is that we came up with a plan D that was fantastic. Okay. And then if we have, and then we started working up from there, right? Mm -hmm. So might we do plan A? Might we be able to be in person? That was maybe plan A. That certainly happened, uh, but that's okay because plan D was going to be great. Plan B might've been that, oh, let's do the hybrid model. So some of it, maybe the performers will be in person, but the audience won't be. Well, no, now that can't happen because we're locked down again, right? So we move on to C. Eventually we get to plan D, which is kind of what we've got, which is the pretty much fully remote version. I think I'm, I'm gonna be in uh, the rehearsal hall at the Isabel myself so that we can kind of have something which is a little bit not just Zoom. Um, but for the most part, um, we are going with plan D and I feel really confident because again, from the beginning, we planned for plan D to be a good one, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, and, and like you say as well, like there's the, so we talk about silver linings really, right? Um, the first time we've ever done this, we don't really have to worry about where we're putting everybody up or, you know, the hotel rooms that we need, or there's so many, there's so many fewer things that we need to worry about. So we've been able to right. put a really great format and, and infrastructure in place this year that I think will make it easier next year when we do it. Another silver lining, uh, you know, the plan was to do this festival in Kingston, but now we have presenters from all over the world 
Yeah. Not just presenters from all over the world, but people who are going to be attending from all over the world, right? Mm -hmm. And so grabbing onto that opportunity, I would imagine like even next year, it's going to be awesome to be able to be in person and for us to see each other and for us to be able to finish a, a symposium conference and then be able to go out and enjoy Kingston's yeah. nightlife and the restaurants and everything else. Um, but I don't imagine we'll ever abandon a, an online component because uh, you know, we've all learned how to how to make things much more global through this pandemic. And so so I think if anything as well too, the another silver lining is that it, it allows us to have such a larger reach. And I think we're trying to take full advantage of that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And do you think like, you know, doing it completely virtual this year, do you think in future years running watershed um do you think in future years you'll consider maybe doing a hybrid or still offering some things online? A hundred, a hundred percent. You know, I think that like, why not? Like, I mean, it will be, uh, it will be lovely to, as I say, to welcome people here, but there's nothing to stop us from having a live stream of, of, um, uh, you know, lectures or, or panels or something yeah. like that. It is so easy for people to kind of zoom in or, you know, to be able to kind of be part of that kind of thing. And not to mention that, like, I mean, the, the Isabel Center for the Performing Arts has demonstrated that live stream concerts can really work. Like that's yeah. the other thing I mentioned, I mentioned earlier that, you know, Kingston has such an abundance of riches when it comes to artistic talent, but we've also got tremendous resources and mm -hmm. facilities here as well. Isabel Center is, is second to none. Like, I mean, it's, and Trisha Baldwin down there has done amazing things to yeah. make that place active mm -hmm. and activate other artists as well in this process, right? So, yeah. so the capable of what we, uh, the capabilities of what we can do here are, uh, are vast. And I, so I think it's going to be absolutely, it's going to be a combination of, of getting the chance to come together and like for live theater, which is, one of the powerful things of live theater. I don't think anyone will will uh, uh, deny that we, we need to get rid of live theater. I think that's the power of, of it in a sense, right? But there's no reason why we can't use technology to kind of um, to connect this to a much larger community and 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 maybe like bring bring us all into the future as well. Like I mean, you know, that's the other thing. Like in the in the opera world, the musical theater world, we we've kind of been we've been uh, hesitant to embrace the technology sometime and, mm -hmm. and very much say, oh, well, no, we don't wanna watch it on screen. That's not what it's all about. But at the same time, you know, there's a there's a huge potential audience out there for musical theater and opera that's mm -hmm. not being tapped into because maybe we've fallen a little bit behind, you right. know, as far as embracing technology. And maybe, again, this whole pandemic has allowed us to think, Whereas we said before, oh, well, this is just the way it has to be. Maybe that's not the way it has to be. That, and that goes with for everything, right? Yeah. When you're talking about diversity and, uh, and, and you know, it reflects, reflecting those voices in the musical theater world or accessibility, like there's an awful lot of times we've all said, well, this is just the way it's always been. So it's the way that it has to be. And the pandemic has shown us that that is not the case. Anything mm -hmm. can change if we want it to change. Yeah, definitely. That's a very good point for sure. Um, and, you know, for all this amazing programming, all these events, um, can you just um, let us know again, how can people register for the festival? Yeah, so the, so the website is www.watershedmusictheater.com. Uh, there's a registration page on there, but I think our web people have done a good job of putting the registration button just about everywhere. <laughs> um, so you can go onto the website and uh, uh, register, like I free and then you'll be given links to all uh, of the festival events uh, and again you can feel free to 
and here's another silver lining, right? Is when you go on to YouTube and watch a performance, like have a drink, have some chips, you know, uh, <laughs> do your nails, whatever, while, you know, while you're watching. Not only that, you can talk and chat uh, during the whole event, which I think is one of the fun things about it as well. Mm-hmm, so, make it interactive, um, so, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So people, again, we're stuck at home. We kind of all know it. But uh, as much as possible, we want to make this feel like uh, coming together in the same way that, you know, coming together in the theater would be. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add before we end off on our amazing conversation? I think that I've kind of uh, wrapped it, uh, said most of it. Again, I encourage people, like uh, funnily here, university professor, um, and, <laughs> and also kind of curating this, you know, this this big festival. I, I encourage people, if you like TikTok, go to TikTok, and I challenge you. I challenge you to, to write lyrics along with Leslie Spies. Because um, again, like I say, it's not something, TikTok is not necessarily something you associate with opera uh, or musical theater, but we um, we want to change things you know, for sure. Mm-hmm. So so this is just as much about having fun as it is about digging into serious topics, which it also is. <laughs> mm-hmm, definitely. And there's so many social media platforms now in which you can totally use them and take advantage of it to reach younger audiences and to, you know, start these new trends and things for sure. Absolutely. And I would encourage people as well that, again, when, when people hear the word opera, or you know some of these words, they kind of automatically think, oh, it's not for me in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would, I would, I would ask people to consider the possibility that these art forms are maybe not what Bugs Bunny told them they were, or <laughs> the old stereotypical cartoons told them they were as well, yeah. right? Um, you know, uh, opera and musical theater is storytelling every art form, and storytelling is something which is part of everything we do, whether you're a movie lover or a, a video game lover or a, um, or a book lover, right? And mm-hmm. so music, music theater is just another way of telling a story in a very inventive and engaging way. Mm-hmm. Very well put. Cannot agree more with that statement, yeah. Um, well, thank you so much, um, Dean, for joining me for this conversation about the Watershed Festival. It sounds amazing, and I hope that it runs successfully and that it really does inspire people and uh, it really kind of takes musical theater and opera to a next level, yeah. Thanks so much, Lex. It's been great talking to you. Thank you for listening to Today in YGK, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.